This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. The following episode of TOEFOP is rated M.A. It may contain Batman references, time travel references, sexual references, lost trains of thought, and mild course language. TOEFOP advises that the program is not suitable for anyone under the age of 15 or anyone who enjoys succinct, coherent conversation that might actually have a point. Minors must be accompanied by a parent, guardian or priest. This is John Deke speaking. This is Tofop. I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. Hello, Charlie. Uh, congratulations. Thank you. Charlie. Thank you. I mean, it's amazing that we're actually even doing this podcast this week. We thought this would be another yeah. best of episode, but um, uh, I... Um, uh, I ha- you, you know, you're on your phone. Sorry. <laughs> you're about to launch into the story, but then you got distracted. <laughs> I got something on your my phone. phone you are like, that was the most millennial reaction. You're like, hey, welcome to the show, everybody. And Charlie, you were... I mean, yeah, uh, bright, shiny thing in my hand. Well, you know what it was more like? It was more like from when I got like hypnotized <laughs> and they put something in my mind that every time I heard like a bell sound, I would just go completely blank because that bell on my phone went off and I forgot that you'd had a baby. Yes. Long way of saying I had a baby. Now, look, uh, I want to address something. Um, we didn't talk much about the baby in the lead up to having the baby, and that was because I'm suspicious. Uh, not suspicious, superstitious. I wanted to make sure that everything went fine first. I didn't want to talk about the baby and, and put the moz on it. But, yes, uh, Gemma, we have a lovely baby girl. She came out uh, six days ago, healthy and happy. Uh, and so everything is fine. Thank you for the well wishes online. Everyone's who said congratulations. But, yes, uh, you weren't keeping it an absolute secret. I wasn't but we it a were secret. both of us. Well, I know how old you are. Yes. Like, you know, <laughs> I've been friends with you for a very long time and I've been friends with Gemma for a very long time. Um, I first met Gemma in 1999. Exactly. And so you just, like, lots of people are having kids later in life. Yes. It's not an uncommon thing to do, but you know that it comes with some some risks and you just didn't want to like you know put but, a moz on it yeah you put a moz on it exactly we didn't want to moz your baby mate yeah i would feel very bad about this podcast chewy on it, your baby if it mozzed your baby fucking podcast <laughs> moz my baby but yeah. it turns out have not mozzed your baby your baby is perfect and adorable and you are and you've got out of the house to come into a podcast yeah it's uh it's actually been a really amazing experience like i uh here's the thing like I have anxiety issues. And so when it comes to big life events like this, I can tend to drift off into negative fantasy Mm. realms. And so this was something approaching that I really had to do some work on because I was like, okay, there's a life change happening here. And for me, there was a lot of anxiety around just the process of childbirth, just the idea of this intense process in a hospital. I have a bit of a, it's not a phobia of hospitals. You're you're like, um, I know the baby's in there right now. (laughs) And I know that it needs to be out here. But I don't want to think too much about how it gets from in there to out here. Yeah, well, it's funny. I have, um, I mean, I have a bit of an aversion to hospitals generally just because yeah. of, you know, seeing my father die over a six-month period in a hospital. 
that'll uh, that'll put a negative. Give, that'll give you a negative <laughs> like, hospitals. You kind of went into that. I mean, I knew what you were going to yeah. say because we've spoken about this before. But you kind of went into that light, like, <laughs> like light. Yeah, yeah. like I'm an aversion of hospitals because, like, you know, I once uh, fell over and hurt my knee, and you know, I had this like bad time when I was in hospital. You're like, no, no. Because I was the a most kid. traumatic thing that was, ever happened to me. Because I was a child and my dad died <laughs> yeah. in a hospital. Oh, yeah, no, fair enough. So, where'd this hang up about hospitals come from? <laughs> but then I don't know how that, or if that translated into childbirth, but I, I, well, I used to have this real issue with childbirth scenes in movies. They made me really anxious. Mm. Like, I found them quite stressful. And so, in the lead up to this event, um, you know, I was talking to my therapist and I was like, you know, I'm just a bit stressed about this situation because someone I love is going to be in a lot of distress and we're going to be in this environment which I don't find particularly comfortable and I just want to make sure that I'm like being the supportive partner and not like my own shit isn't sort of bubbling up. And my therapist was like, okay, so how many births have you been there for? And I was like, well, this is the first one. It's gone, so your experience of childbirth is what you've seen in movies. And I was like, yes. And he's like, and you're a writer and you know that what they put in movies tends to be the most dramatic examples of events to make them interesting and i was like no i for some no. reason in my brain i've thought that while everything else in movies is fictional <laughs> their representation of childbirth is 100 percent accurate i believe there was a law yeah. i thought it was the one thing that they had to depict accurately in every movie so i saw rosemary's baby and i believe <laughs> it was a documentary so once i made that slight adjustment in my head which is like okay of course, like there's lots of events that I've never been there for. If I, if I used movies as a guide to, you know, how things play out, then, you know, Fast and the Furious, like right. it turns out when you drive down in the shops, yeah. you can floor a car, flip it 300 times and you turn out fine. doesn't matter. You can smash a car, you get punched in the face numerous times and you don't, you know, there's no such thing as a king hip. I mean, childbirth in movies is traditionally used as a dramatic device oh. too. Like, I mean, it's not... There are some things you might see in a movie that are incidental to the plot that you just might... People go and get a cup of coffee or whatever. There might be some scene at a cafe that really could have been in any venue. It's not that important to the plot. It's just a cafe is where people hang out or whatever, right? Yeah. Whereas if somebody's giving birth, it's generally a major plot point of the piece of entertainment that you're watching. Yeah, it's a climactic moment. Yeah. So leading up to this, I was like, okay, I'm going to... Now, we've done a bunch of, uh, there's, uh, um, I guess it's like, a, a, you learn techniques as calm birth, as uh, she birth. There's a whole bunch of group you can do and you sort of spend a weekend learning about, you know, how to uh, support your partner through these events. And so as we're sort of moving closer and closer towards the, um, the birth date, um, the due date, sorry, I was like, okay, this is getting real now, but I wasn't feeling like, my anxiety rising because it, I wasn't seeing any of those things that happened in movies. It didn't happen where like the water breaks and it's a rush to hospital or whatever. It was a very gradual, you start with minor contractions, you know, yeah, then they sort of slowly increase. But the actual active labor period, so it started for Gem at around 2 a.m. She woke up and she's like, so it's about a, our, uh, the day after our due date, that's when Gemma's proper labor started. And so for the three or four days leading up to that, it's called, um, uh, Brack, Braxton Hicks Braxton Hicks contractions which are basically just your body I on the other hand have attended 100 births 
<laughs> and just as a just as a spectator. You know, they'll let yeah. you go in if you're just like if you look confident enough. They will let you go in. That's the thing. You have to put signs on the door saying we only want these people in our delivery suite because as students, nurses, like that's one thing they tell you is like if you don't want other people in the room. ABC you, TV celebrities. Yes, yeah, <laughs> you need to let them know. no comedians. There's just a picture of you, Adam Hills, Paul McDermott with a big line for your face. Well, on I the mean, door. the other thing you could have done is gone the other way because labor is quite a like you know long process. Like you know, even a good one, you know, is a matter of hours normally. Mm. You know, it can be days if it you know is a very long time. Is there any aspect of you that was like, well, I have a lot of entertaining friends. Yeah, maybe I should get them in to do like thirty <laughs> just every now and again. How do you think Gemma would have gone for that? And she goes, well, Gem. Uh, I've been helping you for the last hour of contractions, but here to help you for the next half an hour. Jim Owen. Jim Owen. Jim Owen. Jim Owen. that contraction? It's two minutes between the contractions. Jim Owen. Jim The Tony Bartuccio dancers. The cast of Home and Away. Well, you're not actually far off. Like, one of the things about labour is you do want to create apes of distractions. Yeah, right. Because here's the thing. It's incredibly painful. For a my close-up <laughs> magician. Well, I've hired a close-up magician to be by your side. Well, what they give pregnant women, mm. it's, a, it's a TENS machine. You may have used one of these in your physiotherapy. Like a TENS machine is a little pad that you attach to your muscles and uh -huh. little pulses of electricity yes. to make the muscle twitch. Yeah. And so the idea behind that is you place them strategically on the back in four spots. So when the contractions begin, you pump up <laughs> these electrical jolts. Yeah. And I was thinking, oh, is that do something to relax the muscles to allow... No, no, it's just to create more pain than yeah. what's happening in the stomach to take your mind off what's happening in the stomach region. Yeah, you're distracting from your stomach pain with committing pain to... Well, that, that's kind of, you know, like if you're going through something painful, you might pinch yourself or like yeah. try to hurt yourself in another way. Yeah, acupressure kind yeah. of thing, yeah. So, um, <laughs> so the contraction... But such a good example of how all the things around childbirth, despite the fact that it is, you know four women have been invented by men. Yeah. Because that's such a man thing. How about we just <laughs> cattle prod you in the back to distract you? I'll just keep kicking you. Yeah. <laughs> is there nothing better you can do? No. This is what we've come up with. I'm going to set your arm on fire. <laughs> so when those contractions begin, yep. it is... Here's, here's, I've been really... last six days, a lot of time to think about what I just witnessed. And here's the thing I'll say about watching your partner go through labour is for me, anyway, because I... And, you know... Thank you to all my male friends who pulled me aside to have a word with me. But I would say that 90% of what I was told increased my levels of stress and was not relaxing because I don't know if maybe most of my friends have had, you know, super stressful experiences, but a lot of them are like, oh man, it's full on, it's intense. And so I was like, okay, I'm yeah. preparing for like... Yeah. What's it's going to be full on and intense. And you're just like, just, uh, just to get your sort of scale of what's intense, did your father die in a hospital? <laughs> Over have a six-month period. Have you had Did you witness him wither away to nothing? <laughs> and you've had a lifelong phobia <laughs> against hospitals. Just to put it in perspective yeah, yeah. of how freaky it might be for you. And look, I'm sure, you know, labour can be complicated yeah. and, there, and there are very stressful environments. But when this started, what I witnessed was incredibly intense, mm. but it wasn't stressful, if that makes sense. Yeah. So in the same way that, you know, I imagine if Gemma was at the Olympics in weightlifting, watching her go up the weights, as she would know, there'd be you'd be tremendously invested and, and worried for them and stressed because you can see the strain and the pain and that kind of stuff. And it is this like relentless kind of thing. I mean, the other analogy, and you know, to the, all the women listening out there, I know this is going to come nowhere near describing it, but this is just from my perspective, my observation. 
if you've ever had food poisoning where you are so ill and every 15 minutes your body is contracting and you're throwing up and you just in between those contractions those throwing up you just are exhausted and just want to fucking sleep and just want to lie down but you can't because you're up again and bang here comes this you know you need that's what it looked like is that you know, Jen would get these like waves. Except your food poisoning is because you've swallowed a whole, a whole watermelon. <laughs> Greedy. <laughs> so it was interesting. So contractions started at two, and they're the kind of when I, when I say mild, they're still fucking yeah. intense. But they're you know they're not the active labour contractions, and so we had all our like you know we had the tens machine, and I'm doing like the massage and all the things that have been shown of it to help sort of, you know, help alleviate some of the pressure and keep Jim distracted and supported and stuff. And then around 7.30 a.m., so, you know, five hours later, we called our doula because we don't have much in the way of family Now, so those who don't know what a doula is, what's a doula? Uh, it's Con the Fruiterer's daughter. Yeah. Tula. <laughs> Sula. We called Tula. She wasn't home. We called Sula. Dora she was not home. But you know who was? Agapi. Agapi <laughs> answered the phone and she said, I'll send doula around. Uh, doula is, um, I guess, like a birth coach, not necessarily midwife, although sometimes they do do both. But what would be the difference between a doula and a midwife then? What's well, midwife, the differentiation? I, I believe a midwife is like medically qualified oh, okay. in a hospital, whereas okay. a doula is more of a, um, a, a birthing expert yeah. and will spend time with you before and after the birth in mm. terms of not just about... A midwife is mm. pretty much just about Once it's out, the midwife's like, job done. Yeah, I'm off later. to deliver another one. Yeah. Whereas a doula will you know, spend more time... Because we have, you know, we don't have anyone to show us what to do. <laughs> so that's the other thing is you get a baby and it's like, all right, well, what the fuck do we do with this thing? Um, but she was awesome. So she came around and the amazing thing was, <laughs> like, Jen was going through a contraction. I called her and said, look, I think it's happening. And she said, um, can you put Jem on the phone? And I said, Jem, we'll put you on. Jem's like, fuck no, I can't talk to anyone. She said, well, just put her on speaker and let me listen. And so she listened to the contractions and the noise that Jen was, was making. And from that, she could tell what stage of labour she was at. It was like, you know, it's like that scene in um, uh, Gone in 60 Seconds where Robert Duvall listens to like engines revving and he's like, oh yeah, that's a Chevy uh, 323, blah, 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 blah. It was amazing. So she comes around. She'd be very good at secret sound on the radio. Yeah, totally. As long as, as long the sound was a woman having a baby. <laughs> so she comes around and was awesome. I, I, for my friends who have had stressful labor experiences, I imagine if we didn't have someone there, like with her expertise, then maybe it would be stressful because yeah. you don't really know what point you should be going to the hospital. The hospital wants yeah. you to stay at home as long as possible. As long as possible. And then yeah. get out as soon as possible. Exactly. Yeah. And so, but you don't know because... Which also, to be fair, is probably what you wanted. Yeah, totally. Yeah, you're like, I'm with the hospital, well, love. <laughs> It's, but the, the problem is, especially for your first kid, is yeah. we don't know, is this, yeah. is this how, is this going well? Is this it? Or is this how yeah. much further to go? Yeah. And so. And yeah, and you, it is that point in time where you're like, you are, particularly your first child, like you said, almost the least qualified people to be making those decisions because yeah. you're in such a high stress scenario. You've never done it before. You're like, why the fuck can I not have... Like, you must... Well, I guess that's what the doula is, right? The doula is there for that reason because yeah. if you're just left on your own, you just go, when do we go to hospital? You know, like... Well, I talked to some other couples um, at that uh, calm birth weekend we did and one couple there, it was their second child they were there for and the reason they were doing this weekend is because they had a 
terrible experience the first time where they went to the hospital too early. They caught a midwife who'd clearly coming off the back of a 14-hour shift, yeah. really didn't have time, sort of sent them back home. But by then, the wife's contractions were so painful, she could barely walk. And so they were stuck in no man's land, couldn't go home, wouldn't be admitted to the hospital. And it was this very traumatic experience for yeah. them. So in the back of our minds, is like, yes, stay at home as long as possible. But saying that, you need someone to also say so now it's time to go let's go to the yeah. hospital because now, you're gonna now have it's too long yeah. soon it's yeah. too long unless you don't want to go to the hospital at all yeah <laughs> yeah so um so the doula came around and then the next five hours it was actually incredible to watch so like i said it what my concern was not about oh my god is something going wrong or my concern was like is gem okay like mm. because this seems like the most physically taxing thing i've ever watched anyone go through mm. And it got to a point where it was after the first five hours where she just collapsed and was like lying on me. We were both on the couch and she was like, just wanted to sleep, just wanted like a break. And the doula was like, it's okay, it's okay. Like, you know, often um, for your first child, it can take, you know, sometimes up to 48 hours. So we'll just get through tonight. And Jim was just like, what? No, 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 this baby is coming now. And so it was, I don't know if it was some reverse psychology on the part of the door, but Jim was back up on her feet and marching up and down the hallway and started doing these like power squats and like, baby, you are, you are coming out. And so then the next four or five but hours. But what I, I would love, by the way, and I, well, we know that we have a lot of doctors who listen to this podcast. Mm. So this is a great opportunity. Number now. one with doctors, I believe. Exactly. So um, I would love to ask the doctors who listen to this podcast uh, a question, particularly if you, you happen to be a, what, an obstetrician, I guess. Is it? Yeah. Um, what are, or a, like an a ob- obstetrix nurse? Anyway, whatever. Anyone who Work works. Work babies. Anyone who works in babies coming out. Yeah. What are the most common things that are said by people who are having a baby because i imagine this baby's got to come out now <laughs> yeah. it would be right up there on the list of things that people just at, at some stage just go nope yeah this baby has got to come out now well i think for Jim, like i was saying a lot of it was about is this meant to be happening like yeah. is this right like should it be taking this long mm. and the thing is how long is a piece of string because every woman's different you know their bodies are different mm. you can't really predict that that's an impossible question and it is also one of those things where you do hear like i mean my mum was in labor with me for i don't know what the 16 exact years number was, but well like a, a, like well over 24 hours yeah like i don't know if it got into like 30 30 odd hours or whatever it was but it was a, like a long time well it's interesting because the, the our doula had um helped with the birth of another couple two weeks earlier and that baby came in like six hours and we were like oh awesome like do that yeah do and that she's like <laughs> hey you yeah and she was like six hours that'd be great but the thing because you know we've had this whole discussion around like why is childbirth so painful like why in terms of the evolutionary design is this one thing that is necessary for the procreation of our race why is it so almost unbearable to go through well imagine if it was painless how many fucking (laughs) unlooked after kids there'd be all over the world people would just be popping them out but i think it's because the process of childbirth there the way to release the hormones that the baby needs and the hormones that the mother needs this is the only way to do it and it is i guess a a bit (laughs) like a um like says a, says evolution. Yeah. That's a real life. No, it's the only way we can do yeah. it. You sure? Yeah. Because everybody has to have a baby and you seem to have evolved a whole bunch of other things to work a lot better. So you sure that this... No, nah, mate. 
Can't do it any other way. This is the way. Well, the thing. How do we get the hormones in them if we don't do it this way? <laughs> Hello, everyone. Mike Hal here. During the course of this ad, Will and Charlie unintentionally mentioned the name brand of something that definitely does not belong in this advertisement for the wonderful products by the lovely people at Movement. At the end, we thought it was funny, so we left it in. Get ready for a bleep fest in three. Two, one. We're just going to take a little break from the show, Will, to talk about this week's sponsor, Movement. Movement, the sunglass people. Yeah, Movement, the everything people. They do watches, they do accessories, but in this case, we're specifically talking about the sunglasses. Now, Will, let me ask you something. Let me uh, answer your question with a question. I'm not sure if you asked a question, but I'm going to ask you a question. (laughs) How much time do you spend in front of your digital screens? My digital screen, so my phone uh, yeah. and my computer screen, does it count my TV? Anyway, a lot. I'm going to yeah. say um, over six hours a day. Yeah, most people do, Will, but between their phones, work, binging new shows, video games, and scrolling before bed, they watch a lot of digital content. That's why I started wearing Movement's Everscroll blue light filtering glasses. They are built to protect your eyes from blue light that is known to cause eye strange discomfort and poor sleeping patterns. Now, we were just talking about this off, on it, off air, but in the 90s, because they hit the scene. If you were a student in the 90s and you were staying up late, you would see this infomercial for which was so memorable. You can find it on YouTube. There's a rapper called Geek who's on Venice Beach and he gets given a pair of and he is so taken by the that he does a freestyle rap that you'll never forget. And you know what? I've forgotten it. <laughs> you know what that should be? That should be compulsory in every rap show. Yeah. They should like have a random item and the rapper has to improv freestyle a bit based on some items that they just pull randomly out of a hat. That would be a good bit for a rapper. If I, if You know what? If there's a rapper out there that maybe wants to get on board with the Movement brand, they spell their name like Movement you know, spells their name. Maybe they like their, their whole gimmick yeah. is that they're head to toe in movement gear because that'd yeah. be cool if you're a rapper, right? Yeah. You could be called The Movement and you yeah. could uh, be sponsored by Movement and then he could randomly rap again about various movement items. Right, so Movement, NVMT, they just took the vowels out of it and some other words as well, and other letters as well. So what if Eminem took the vowels out of Eminem and he just became... And then, and then, well, I mean, wouldn't he technically just become M&M's? Which is already a pre-existing product. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Not the biggest brand change, really, is it? Now, Will, the benefits of wearing blue light glasses is they promote sound asleep. They elevate your mood. They lower your stress hormones. They improve focus and mental clarity. And the best thing is that movement have a bunch of different styles and fashion forward frames to choose from. Do you consider yourself fashion forward? I am so fashion forward that sometimes I have to look over my shoulder to see what fashion is. Yeah, I passed fashion. I'm so fashion forward. It's all in my rear view. And I have to look at my rear view with my just to make sure I don't catch any digital light bouncing off my eye sockets. The best thing about these glasses, Will, is they don't look like other computer glasses you see out there. In other words, and this is not movement, this is me editorializing, you're not going to look like a bloody nerd nerds. burger when you wear bloody these. Bloody nerds in their nerdy glasses. Your eyes don't work and you're a nerd, you nerd. They take Movement's best-selling glasses frames and then they just add the blue light filtering lenses to them so you don't have to sacrifice style for functionality. In other words, Hang on, you so don't have to look like a massive nerd. Nerd! Nerd! Hang on, but you're telling me, is this a range of sunglasses essentially that I can wear inside at night? Yeah. You can be lying in bed on your phone scrolling through useless stuff with your 
motherfuckers on looking totes cool, man. Oh my god. Uh, this is such a good idea because they don't even need to sell the benefits of it for the screen time for me. All I need is an excuse to wear sunglasses inside. Yeah, it's I'm like, like that the song. fact that I can Corey Hart it. My, yeah. Finally, I can live my dream to wear my sunglasses at night. That's that's enough of a pitch as far as I'm concerned. Will wears his sunglasses at night so he can so he can scroll through his iPhone without a headache. <laughs> They get Corey Hart back involved. That's a good... Oh, see, there's a good match for movement. Yeah, forget Eminem. Corey Hart. Just, they look just like regular glasses. And unlike the geek of Venice Beach in the 90s, these ones don't have yellow tint lenses like you find on other blue, blue light blockers. You can pick from round frames, clear frames, coloured frames, and movement selection is always expanding with new and traditional fashion forward styles to choose from. So the average person, they reckon on average... Your average normal dude or dudette will spend about seven hours a day in front of a screen. That's a lot of hours to be taking that blue light. Well, that's like, I mean, what is it? It's nearly a third of your day. Nearly a third of your day taking in that digital light. So these blue light glasses from Movement will help you change your habits so you can keep up with the changing technological world. And there's new tech and gadgets coming out all the time. By the time you hear this ad, there's probably something else you can stare at that's going to be pumping your eyeballs full of blue light. Yeah, blue light's coming to get you, mate. If you don't have a pair of these sunglasses, you're a fool to yourself and a burden to others. (laughs) Okay. Everscroll blue light filtering glasses start at just a low, low price of $65. And whether at the office or scrolling through your phone or unwinding from a long day, Everscroll glasses have got you covered. Be, be, <laughs> he's, sorry, I don't know why I'm Were you about to break out in a freestyle rap? I Were was. you so moved by this advertising copy that you're going to yeah. break out in a freestyle rap about I was, but my palms got sweaty and there was vomit on my sweater already. <laughs> But that has nothing to do with mum's spaghetti. Uh, They give you better focus, better sleep, and better style. Okay, this is the important bit. This is the call to action. So, everybody concentrate. Put on your... Because if you don't... Sorry, not yet. You ever scroll blue light filtering glasses? (laughs) Should stop saying... Competitive brand that probably went out of business in the early 2000s. Put on your ever scroll blue light filtering glasses and concentrate. Get proper focus because you can get 15% off today with free shipping and free returns by going to movement.com slash tofop that's movementmvmt.com slash tofop you can shop movement for ever scroll blue light blue light filtering glasses and protect your eyes but the best part is you'll look cool doing it man cool at the office cool inside at night you've got me i'm in go to movement.com slash tofop and will Join the movement, Charlie? Yeah. The, the thing about, um, you know, watching Gem and, you know, we've watched a bunch of videos of women giving birth. There is, there, it is this kind of like, it's not like a trance, but it's the zone, I guess. Like they yeah. get into what an athlete would call the zone where it's like, well, you're not going back now. And mm. so, you know, you're doing the ultra marathon, the Hawaiian, you know, Ironman or whatever it is. Like you're just pot committed now. And so you, whatever happens mm. now on is going to happen. So, so uh, it got to like 2 p.m. and then um, Jen was in a lot of pain. And so we, two minds, one was like, okay, well, if you need pain relief, then we've got nothing here. But then the second part, I mean, this seems like an odd thing to come to my mind. But you know when you used to party, right? <laughs> and you're partying and maybe things are wearing off and you're starting to feel a bit kind of glum. Yeah. You get out of the house that you're in 
and go to another party or another house or get to just somewhere, go to the park, whatever, bang, like it gives you that second wind. So in my mind, I'm like, well, let's get to the hospital just because it's been seven, eight hours. Let's change locations. Change locations. (laughs) (laughs) It's either the little cave where the teenagers smoke bongs down by the house or the hospital. Yeah. I reckon we have to get out of here. (laughs) Well, they do give... This party's done. They do give nangs. When you get to the hospital, the nangs on supply. Like all the nangs, more nangs than you can shake a bloody teenager at. Uh, So we get to the hospital and... I went um, to the dentist the other day, by the way, and because uh, I, I had a tooth fall out. I have to oh, I had a yeah. tooth come out <laughs> of your mouth, did you? No, so, <laughs> My <laughs> wife brought a human out of her body. No, I only mentioned this because um, uh, this dentist, my, my dentist I've been going to recently, really does not like bring the gas out anymore. Oh, whereas like my new dentist immediately was like would you like some gas and i was like well yeah gonna be very, very good, good friends <laughs> i hope you i hope you have a holiday house you're looking to pay off because i have terrible teeth and i love legal names <laughs> man i've got to admit i jumped on the legal name oh. uh once all was said and done that i i just there's no one around i might just grab the old boop, boop. it was awesome i was like nangs <laughs> i remember this feeling only lasts for about 15 seconds, but geez, it's worth it. <laughs> well, it's really great when you go to the dentist and they whack a... a, a, a Never-ending nose. <laughs> Never-ending... It's like a really wonky... in your mouth. The everlasting nangos. <laughs> just like, that'd be my baller move at a party. Yeah. All the kids down in your cave are doing nangs and you just go down there with like a giant bottle from the dentist and just the cord up your nose and go, this is what success looks like, kids. <laughs> just like Darth Vader, just... <laughs> <laughs> no oxygen, just 100% nang gas. Um, yes, okay. So so we arrive at the hospital and Luxa Fortune, um, it was very busy in the maternity ward that day. All the rooms were full. And so we were like, oh shit, well, what happens now? And have you ever had that thing? We're going to have to have the baby in a manger. <laughs> no, have you ever had that thing where you get, um, uh, you go uh, to the airline and they say, oh, I'm sorry, this flight's oversold. Oh, and you're like, oh shit. We got upgraded. You got upgraded. So what they have at the maternity ward, they have, um, so you can just have normal delivery suite, but then there's three rooms which are called birth centers, which are like hotel rooms. And they're not like, you don't have to pay to get them. Because Australia, by the way, public health system, it's worth paying more tax for to get this kind of care. It's almost as if the reason for tax is to provide these sort of (laughs) things. But anyway, sure. So in uh, the hospital that we were at, they have three birth centers, which is like a big room, there's like a mural of a forest on the wall, giant bathtub, walk-in shower, you know, beautiful. It's just a beautiful place to have a baby. I mean, the delivery suite would have been fine, but it's much more clinical. So we got upgraded to the birth center. So we got in there, Jem hit the shower because like, I just need another, 10's not working, I need just some other stimulation. Plus you want to use those Aveda products. <laughs> yeah, Exactly. <laughs> Um, so while she's doing that, I'm sticking up all our positive slogans. I've, I've printed off a bunch oh, of kind really? of, yeah, yeah. Like you can do it and all that kind of stuff. A bit better than that, but similar. Uh, <laughs> Picture of Rob Schneider from the Adam Sandler movies. Yeah. Like, you can do it. Uh, stick all the positive. And oh, the other thing is like music. We had fucking four or five eight hour playlist going and that yeah so had Gemma put those together yeah of course because yeah, so if it was yeah. me it would have been like Guns and Roses yeah I was just like I think Beastie the baby Boys. will come out to Warren's Cherry Pie <laughs> yeah, exactly. um, uh, yeah so she had spent some time previously yeah. kind of putting it together some music that she thought would be good to- I mean because the labour 
we did hear some playlists a couple of times and I'm wondering, is this going to be irritating to hear like Satellite of Love, mm. you know, for the third time or is it going to be nice? Yeah. But I think by that point she was beyond hearing anything other than yeah. the voice. I mean, obviously if it was this week, you would have turned it off and put on AFL Trade Radio. Yeah, <laughs> but can you imagine? Got something going to really soothe you, SEN. <laughs> Uh, so then she pops into the tub and that actually was good. And my theory of change the environment, go to a new place Mm. worked well because suddenly, you know, her brain's having to take in new stimulation, new things. And so she wasn't thinking as much. Plus you've got an upgrade. upgrade. That's, I mean, that just even as a distraction, do you know what I mean? Like it's a, it's great because you're suddenly in this beautiful, you know, more comfortable than you expected place. So that's got to be optimistic. But secondly, just again, it wasn't what you were expecting. So it just takes changes your mind a little bit yeah yeah and so that's when the midwives come into the equation mm. so now you got the oh you're here the medically trained uh, professionals okay. <laughs> and i gotta say man like they were so good yeah and when i think about what their job is and the high stakes you know and the emotional stakes of the people they're dealing with and like our doula the way and the great thing is our doula knew them so they're all friendly and but the way they just come in and it's like in this incredibly intense moment for the mother, demystify and encourage and just take that anxiety because as the, the, you know, the actual birth gets closer, the baby is moving further down the body, the pain gets more intense, like the physical change gets more intense. So it's almost like the closer... Again, evolution. Is there no better way <laughs> than this? Or are you... okay. But the closer you're getting to what you want, mm. the bigger the wall seems yeah. to get, the bigger the barrier. And so mm. to have people come in who... Because I've had heard stories about like maybe some obstetricians who are maybe a little bit uh, more medically inclined than... Yeah. You know, and they just want to get the baby out and they don't give a fuck and they're yeah. going to pump you with an epidural or whatever. Whereas Jem was quite committed to going natural. I mean, it was interesting. At one point, she did tap out and she was like, fuck it, give me all the drugs. Like, this is, mm. I can't deal with this pain. But they didn't want her. They felt like she, the way that she was going, they, they felt yeah. like, she this, could you do can it. do it. Yeah, you can do and it. And we're just going to encourage you. Yeah. So, um, uh, she got out of the bath, her water broke, which was like quite a shock to me because I was standing like right next to her rubbing her back yeah. and all of a sudden like it, yeah. when it breaks, it was like, yeah. um, and then they're like, okay, let's get this baby out. And so we flipped into this, um, it's like a birthing stool. So it's like she's sitting on a stool and I'm sitting behind her and then the two midwives and the doula are there and they've got a little mirror down. So I am watching like, you know, my daughter come into the world. Yeah. And the thing is like, it's all happening and... In my head, I kept thinking like, this was the moment that I've been fearing or so anxious about for so long. And I'm cr- it was, I was, what a waste of energy that yeah. was. Because this is a beautiful, amazing moment. I'm so privileged to be here. We're in such good care. You know, we got very lucky, obviously, with the, you know, the birthing center and the people that we found. But like, I could have imagined this scenario and enjoyed the last you know nine months rather than drifting into negative fantasy about how things could go wrong i could have chosen to think maybe this will work out really well and sure it'll be tough on my wife and stuff but you know with the right support this could be a profound experience like it actually was and as they bring her but even and and i'm so glad that um you know it was but even if it weren't none of that worrying would have Mm. helped either Exactly. Like, you Just know, wasted man? energy. It would have been wasted energy and it would have made you 
like not capable of helping in the moment when you needed to if it overtook you in that moment well, but the, clearly it didn't but well, the funny thing was the two da- two nights before jim went into labor our dog junior got really sick like really sick uh, looked like he's having a seizure lost control of his bowels really distressing just like probably the last thing you want to happen when you're expecting a kid and we had to rush him it was like midnight on a saturday night we had to rush him to a hospital and um the whole time i'm doing terribly like i always thought i'm quite good in a crisis Mm. but i felt like this was like a little test run and i was doing terribly because i was so emotional and panicked and couldn't think and you know even getting him into the car and forgetting shit and having to go back you know just you know when you when you get to those highly stress situations we got to um the animal hospital and there's one of those dog things where once he got there he seemed to recovered it's still an ongoing thing we're trying to work out what's wrong with him he might just be his age it might be gastro anyway but the point being that put me in a real negative mindset because i'm like you fucking failed the trial run like that was a that was a trial run and you panicked and you were no support and you got emotional and all this kind of stuff and i did that thing that you do where you get super negative on yourself and it's like oh, you know who do you who do you think you are like you're not how can you be a, a father how can you support your wife you can't do any of this kind of shit when really what i should have been saying to myself is oh that was a completely unexpected thing that is traumatic because i love my dog and it's a completely separate event to what is going on with my wife but yeah this is this is they are not related. an unfortunate other thing that has happened at the same time i'm already going through something that is incredibly stressful and now something that would be independently stressful by itself has happened at the same time yeah guess what I didn't handle it the best I could have possibly handled it. Yeah. Who would have Yeah, in that situation? And it's also, it's one of those weird things where, uh, you know. Also, you... the hospital is not taking record of that. It's not like, I'm sorry, <laughs> yeah. we're going to have to catch We saw the way. Oh, we, we saw talked. the way you handled it. We talked. Oh. We heard. You don't think the vets the in the hospital <laughs> talk? Well, we fucking talk, mate. Wait, your podcast is the number one podcast amongst <laughs> medical professionals. Yeah. Exactly. You shouldn't. We're taking the baby back. Uh, so it was interesting because. It was, I had all that anxiety, but then in the moment, and it was like, it, all that shit went away, and it was like, oh, fuck, like, it, what a, a great lesson mm. in, um, you know, being in the moment and just not allowing, like, so that's, I don't want to disregard, the panic I felt in the moment with Junior was warranted and totally, you know, justified. That's, that panic is warranted and justified. Yeah. Attaching it. To some, some giant kind of universal moral thing where you suddenly go, this well, is this failure. is the universe saying that you're a failure and you're no good and you've failed this test and therefore you're going to fail every test and you're not capable of this. Like the, the amount of times that we, I mean, at least you have an excuse. You were raised Catholic. Yeah. That's what they brainwash you with, <laughs> yeah, you know, totally. that the uni- like these are signs from the universe, you know, yeah, you know, punished you're dog or... sick because you masturbated when you were a teenager, you know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? Like, that's... Well, we are looking at all possibilities of why you're so sick and that will be after we do the biopsy, that might be yeah. the next thing. We've done the biopsy, but we haven't ruled out, <laughs> did you masturbate a lot as a teenager? <laughs> oh, did you not know this is a church slash bed hospital? Um, but I do that all the time. I mean, that's one of the as human beings particularly human beings who like you know i mean i guess that's what mindfulness and having a doula and these sort of people is meant to help you with is that guidance of remembering not everybody like when i bought this house i was really nervous about doing that it was the biggest sort of financial investment i'd ever done in my life and i you know like the thing about buying a house is that 
you haven't done it before, but it's such a big deal and there's all these things that you have to work out and, you know, you don't really know what you're doing in those situations. And my dad was like, he's like, you know, he said, idiots buy houses all the time and you're not an idiot. Now, I think that was very nice of him to say. I, I thought think that I the sentence idiot. was going to end there. Yeah. Idiots buy houses yeah. all the time. All the time. Click. And you are also an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> He's a, all right. I would have been fine with that to be honest. If he's like idiots buy houses all the time, and you at best are an idiot. But <laughs> at best. Um, but I think it's the same with having a baby. Like yes. the the human civilization exists because it, it, everybody at a, well not everybody, but like you know a lot of people at adult age throughout history have been capable of having a baby, and so many of them have been so less prepared as adults and as people and in the world. I mean, you've got a child that's born in Australia, you know, pretty much as good a country in the world to be born into for, you know, health and education and way of life and these sort of things. You're a, you know, person who, you know, you and your partner have both been successful in your chosen fields. You're both mature people who've really thought through this decision. You're not like, you know, teenagers who accidentally got pregnant. Oh, no, we did it just to get on MTV. Yeah. I mean, you've got a reality yeah. show coming 42 out. 42 and pregnant. Oh, sorry. Yeah. No, that's why I was worried about Junior being sick. Yeah. Like, he's got to get his headshots this week. So, um, you know, like all those things. But also, I, I don't know. I think it would be weird if you weren't worried. Mm. Like the other part of it is you are embarking on the most important and challenging thing that you will ever do in your life. Like you've done important and challenging things up till now, but you at your age have decided to embark on another 18 years minimum, mm. you know, of being responsible for another human being. And mm. it's, a, it's a big deal. And yeah. I think if you didn't think of it as a big deal, then you would be, a, you would be doing a disservice to the child. Yeah. I mean, it's, I'm trying to keep it all mindful like what is in front of me like of course you spin yeah. off into well where should where am i gonna what school am i gonna send yeah. it to <laughs> like so, calm down just, calm down tiger let's just see like if i can change a nappy yeah. tonight um so when they bring the baby out like it happens so matter of fact oh the other thing i was gonna say is somebody that, was saying to me the other day i don't know if i told you this but it, it, that, it was a really good insight because you know my brother and sister both have kids and you know, watching them raise their kids, I think they've both done a really good job raising their kids. And what you do learn is that, you know, you, you'll fuck heaps of shit up and, you know, they'll be their own people regardless. And But you kind of work it all out. As long as you, as long as you want to work it all out, mm. you'll work it all out. As long as your intention is, I will get this right, you'll, in a general sense, get it right. And I, I was talking to somebody and they, they were talking about walking. Somebody was worried that their baby wasn't walking as quickly as the other babies. And they said, yeah, but you don't see a lot of adults crawling around. Like, they get it. Yeah, Do you know what I mean? There's not, you're not like, oh, that's Jeff. Yeah, no, he never learned to walk. <laughs> now, kids, some learn a bit quicker than others, but they all kind of learn, you know? <laughs> so don't stress too much about It'll it. It'll happen. Yeah. It's um, 45. It just crawls. Yeah, the, Terrible uh, parents. <laughs> one of the bits of advice the doula said when she was trying to, you know, say you got nothing to worry about is actually childbirth is a very safe procedure. Like, your baby has like a life support machine mm. attached to it. You know, it's breathing and getting nutrition through that umbilical cord. And so it's, it's very hard because we can only think of experiences through our own direct, you know, what would it be like for me to go through a, a canal, <laughs> like the physically get myself out of like a, a birth canal and out of the world. And, and it's an incredibly stressful experience, but that's not what the baby mm. is experiencing. Um, and when they actually did bring our daughter out, 
It was so... Uh, it would be amazing to know, by the way. I know that we never will because the brain's not developed enough to kind of be having those thoughts in a way we would understand. But if there's ever a way that we can understand... Because what... Imagine if you're that baby. Like, imagine, you know... Being able to remember... Yeah, imagine if the baby, like their brain was developed enough that, that they could, could actually experience be it thinking and experience what was going on. The idea of going from like living inside someone and growing and then just the idea that you're just dramatically shot out of this person. Well, someone sent me, a mate of mine sent me a message the other day saying, and I don't know how this is determined, yep. but there is a, a, a belief that uh, babies do not differentiate between the, the three parents being different entities. As far as it's concerned, you are all the one entity working together for the first like three weeks or so yeah right okay so it's like you know it's hungry gets it gets fed because that's what it came from is like it would get fed when it was hungry and all this kind of stuff so then it starts to separate and go oh, okay well i am a separate entity from that but i watch my daughter sleep and she's having dreams you know she's experiencing something like she's making I, that's the other thing i wasn't prepared for is how much how talkative babies are like they coo and make noises and express themselves like She's so already so active and engaged. It's it's taking me by surprise. Like they come at this when they literally put the baby on us when she was born. Mm. I, I said to them afterwards, and they're quite offended because I guess they're mm. birth professionals. But it was like I'd gone into a chicken shop and they'd slapped a roast chicken down on mm. the counter. Like they literally by the legs, just like slapped her on us. Yeah. And when there's this baby and they're like, uh, so you, to get them breathing, you blow gently in their face and that sort of stimulates and they open their eyes and stuff. And so we were both in shock. I started crying. Gemma, I think she was all out of tears by that stuff. She was maybe in a bit of shock. But I started crying. And then, you know, we, we woke this little girl up and you sort of, um, the technique we were using is you want to uh, uh, leave the umbilical cord on um, connected for as, about three or four minutes just to get all the nutrients mm -hmm. out and everything before you cut it. So I, I cut the umbilical cord and then there's a fucking baby and, and it's in our arms and she looks exactly like me. That's yeah, the other really crazy thing. Like No if you, shirt. <laughs> <laughs> abs. <laughs> but I guess that's... Beard, a, which is weird. I guess that's another evolutionary device. Is well, like, she's got tiny ears, doesn't she? Well, she's got claws and ears. <laughs> that's the best bit. So the day after... So we had the childbirth, skin to skin, awesome. Gem goes into the recovery ward. I go home to get some sleep, come back the next day, and we spend the day in the hospital while they do all the checks. And the nurse comes in with a trainee, and they're doing all the checks and measuring, blah, blah, blah. And then they stop, and they go, hmm, he's very small. <laughs> <laughs> and then trainee was like is that a and she starts naming like yeah. what the possible causes for that yeah. could be and i was like no no this is the reason right here, right <laughs> i just pointed to, and they're like oh yeah your ears are very small yeah. and i'm like yes <laughs> that is her affliction um but i guess that is an evolutionary thing that the baby looks like the father so they don't get rejected you know i mean i guess it comes back to like a, a fairly kind of primal thing that they want the, the the father to accept the child so it's like oh it looks like me what was it like when you went home because again like i'm, I'm I, like you know it's impossible to put yourself in someone else's shoes in this situation but i'm just imagining you know when you've been through something often when it really hits you is not while you're in the middle of it yeah but while you're alone like suddenly when you're alone the weight of everything can kind of you know has time to hit you were you 
or were you just so exhausted and you know happy and whatever that no, like what was it like to go home by well, yourself suddenly going oh my god i've got like i think a baby i'm still now. in that kind of like they call it um well you the, the, you get a release of oxytocin which is like a feel-good mm. kind of um, chemical they, they give you a pill <laughs> <laughs> Try yeah i got a bag of snuck it into something Mate, you ever heard of a red mitsubishi <laughs> um and so i was on that real high I, yeah. look i mean we're still we're still very much in the baby bubble yeah. so i don't know i mean there you know jim went to bed early um to get some sleep last night and i was just up with her and the weird thing is like i mean yeah i look at this baby and go fuck that's my child like you know i contributed to the creation of that and now that's my responsibility but there is obviously some kind of primal chemical thing going on where you just bond with that thing like you look at it and you know i'm just in love with her like it's just this immediate i would do anything to protect this child like you just that's why when you pick them up it's like a fabergé egg you know and you instinctively know to cradle their neck and you know i'm amazed by how much all the stuff that I was worried about, how the fuck am I going to parent? You just start picking it up because mm. the baby kind of guides you and you are so attuned to the baby's needs. Like, um, you know, she's sleeping quite well, but, you know, we're still up a few times a night and you've got this hypervigilance now where I hear something and it's like, boom, is that a hunger thing? Was that just her clearing her throat? I mean, it is like you do have a bit of panic sometimes where it's like, is that a cough? Is that a normal cough or is that a, is that a weird cough? Should we be concerned? And I'm sure that won't go away. No for a while but there's also this um tremendous joy in it in in having this kind of um a thing uh, this this thing to engage with which seems to even in the six days she's been in our lives she's changed like physically has changed like her head has started to form right between our eyes like the three plates in her skull have started to take shape her hair is changing color she's using her eyes more she's starting to look around you know there's all these things it's like well that's going to keep happening now for the next 18 years is every time I look at her, there's going to be something else. And I'm just so excited about, you know, conversing with her and showing her things and all the things that I got to do, I get to do again in a, in a way, you know, I mean, she's probably going to hate all of them. <laughs> there's old man stuff that I want to show her and read to her and take her to and stuff. But, you know, just the idea. That is of, the bit of being a parent that maybe I'll be a very cool uncle. I can yeah. be cool uncle Will. But I, I like doing experience things. I think that part of being a parent, I would find appealing. Like the idea of like coaching my kids basketball team or taking them to whatever they're interested in. I, I actually don't care if it would be something I'm interested in. Yeah. Like the idea of going to see, like, you know, take them to just do the thing that makes them excited or see the movie that makes them excited or go to that adventure park or kick a soccer ball or whatever it is that they're into. That bit of it, I, that, like, I'm like, yeah, I can definitely see that. There's a lot of other bits of it that aren't for me, but yeah. that bit of it, I, <laughs> I, that is appealing. So. Well, I even like changing the nappies. I'm like... Oh, cool. I get this because I've been cleaning up my dog shit for 14 years. Well, that is that is the bit of like they go, when you have a dog, is it practice for a kid? Yeah. And I think it is, definitely. Just, uh, Just the, in the getting used to picking up shit. Shit, yeah, 100%. Yeah. Getting used to the idea of going from somebody who thinks shit is gross and disgusting <laughs> to going, oh, well, it's a shit. Yeah. And I picked it up. Oh, it's in my shoe. <laughs> it's in my mouth. <laughs> Um, all right, now we need to wrap it up. Only a short episode today. Yes. Um, uh, I just wanted to let people know as well, if you liked the baby chat, 
that Will and I have um, been having today. Uh, I'm doing a new podcast oh. with another uh, recent dad, Osher Ginsberg. Um, we're doing a pod called Dad Pod, which I think is going to be released on o- October 7th or the week after. Osher's just sent me a text. So um, we've recorded a few episodes. So basically what you're going to get is Osher and I talking pre our babies arriving and our hopes and dreams and fears and concerns. And then we've recorded uh, one since. So there's uh, three, maybe four episodes in the can and we're going to make that a weekly podcast. So if you want to listen to two guys uh, be dads for the first time, two old dads for the first time, uh, check out Dad Pod. It'll be available where all good podcasts are available. I think that'd be great. I'm really looking forward to that. Osh is fantastic. Like both of you talking about being fathers, I think will be a really cool well, thing to hear like both of your takes and you're both kind of sensitive new age guys but you're both older dads and he's got the experience of being like a you know a, a stepdad as well yeah and a bit so, of a head start but also what i realized after like i think by the third episode i was like holy shit osh knows heaps more about it. he's read heaps of books and oh, watched heaps of youtube he, like he researched it he was like naming shit that i was like what right. and what do you do when you do but this that's, you do but that? that's what osh is that's what Osher's approach is. Yes. Like, it's like with his mental health, you yeah. know, like he's one of those guys that like not only it, it, you know, knows, you know, the issues with his mental health, but he knows every single treatment or yes. idea or has read every book about like what it could be. That's the way that he looks at things. And so I think in a lot of ways, Charlie, it'll just be good for you to like get cheap notes on. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah, he can do all the research and you can come in and go, what's this thing? Right, what's well, that? I, Tell I, me about that. I haven't listened to the episodes back yet, but I do feel like in the first episode, I was just nodding and agreeing yeah. as if I knew what he was talking about. And then by episode three or four, I had to confess, look, Osh, I don't know what's going on. I'm just, I'm, I'm doing the I'm doing fatherhood like I do my podcast, which is no preparation, fly by the seat of my pants. Let's see how this works out. I think that'll be a really fantastic podcast. I imagine that will be really popular, actually. I think that people would be really interested in that. I, I Even myself, as someone who doesn't have kids, I reckon I'd love to listen to that. So that's a really cool idea. So it's called Dad Pod. And Dad when, Pod. When's it out? What's the uh, first October one? 7th or the week after. And uh, each week we'll also hear from another dad, another dad whose name you might know, who, come, who rings in and gives, gives us some advice. So oh, it's great. not just Osh and I. Oh, nice. Yeah. Okay, yeah. fantastic. Well, that's a really cool thing. Um, speaking of podcasts, this podcast, Tofop, uh, next year we'll be celebrating 10 years of us doing this podcast and we will also have our 300th episode or many 300th episodes. We haven't decided this stage, but one of the things we've talked about is the idea that, you know, trying to get Russell Crowe to join us for some part of that celebration. Uh, a few uh, months ago, uh, Russell had been on my radio show and he'd been watching my stand-up special and said something very nice about that. We thought, okay, all right, well, that's a bit of an in. Well, there's been a development. Charlie. Oh, yeah. Great. I know you've had a baby, but I've had shit going yeah, on yeah. as well. So, <laughs> Eyes on 300. Uh, Gruen was back on our Wednesday night. Uh, we had an audio issue at the ABC, which was uh, pretty fun. It Saw went out. that. Very tofop of you. Well, a lot of people did make that reference. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, it was uh, unfortunately the ABC's fault, but uh, it's all been fixed up, which is good. Uh, but Russell Crowe tweeted about the show. Russell Crowe tweeted, one of the most enduringly original shows in the history of Australian broadcasting. Tune in, be amazed. Oh, wow. So, Charlie. Yeah. I feel like... An approach. Well, here's what I feel like. Every time Russell does something like that, there's heaps of people who message him going, do Tofop, blah, blah, blah. Oh, do they? And he never... <laughs> oh, well, actually, there was a few people who retweeted it and with the message up the top, one heart at a time. <laughs> 
<laughs> right, don't do that. <laughs> but surely Russell's got to be seeing some of these messages. Is my point. Yeah. Like it can no, we can no longer believe that we live in a world where Russell Crowe is not aware. Is not aware show. of this show. So, so the, our quest for our great white whale that is Russell Crowe. Well, I guess what gets we a little step further. I guess closer. what we would want to let people know is don't don't harass him. Don't harass him. And don't jinx this for us. If you want to request you do the show, yeah. do that. But do it in a polite way. Yeah. Do it in a way that might actually get him to do the show. Yeah. <laughs> don't do not do it in a way that will get him to hate us. And tell him what... if he's going to listen, not yeah. to listen to the first 80 episodes. No, no, no. <laughs> Tune into a recent one. One of these ones. When, since Mike Hal joined Charlie's the show. Charlie's had a baby. Yeah. Have, a listen, have a listen to that episode. It's real sweet. <laughs> it really reflects on the meaning of existence and fatherhood. In fact, uh, check out his new podcast, Dad, Dad Pod. If you want to support our show, the best way to do that is to go to patreon.com. And we haven't really had a chance to talk about this, but no. we've been filming the episodes mm. and we intend to film more. Um, and so if you become a Patreon member, you can go on Patreon and watch the full episodes. You can see Will and I in the flesh talking shit uh, to each other. Um, we obviously put the clips up on our YouTube channel, which is something else I want to promote. So we've got a bunch of clips up there. We've got Lessons for Life, the web series that we made earlier in the year. We've got Q&As, all that kind of good stuff. You can go to our Facebook page. We're on Twitter. Will and I are both separately on Twitter. Um, is that it? Yeah, I reckon that's it. I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. Congratulations. Thanks, man. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want. It's up to you.